From Phil Speed Tech comes a weekly digital series where he shares his insights, concepts, and findings learned during his 15-year journey of working in the entertainment industry. Each lesson offers you a roadmap to overcome the challenges that all artists face on the path to success. Welcome to a Phil Speed Tech podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Phil Svitek, and it's an honor to have you join me for this episode. Normally, I write out lessons that I then teach you, the artist, on how to master mental fortitude, because it is my belief that it takes way more than just talent and luck to succeed in this industry. But what I wanted to do today was something a little bit different. I want to present to you David Foster Wallace's This Is Water speech. It's a commencement speech he wrote, and he wrote it back in 2005 and I've listened to the audio recording pretty much I would say two to three times a year since probably 2007 and it's had a huge impact on my life and how I view the world and how I try to operate within the world and so I thought maybe it would have a similar impact for you now the speech is about 22 minutes the way he delivers it and I'm not going to deliver everything I'm actually going to perform a truncated version of it and I'm going to leave a link down below to a video where you can check out his rendition of it. Now, it's purely an audio form, but nonetheless, it, it captures all uh, everything, right? His whole spirit of what he was trying to, to encompass. Also, they did a book version of it where they took his speech and, and created a book out of it. It's like a mini small book that... You know, if you're into that sort of thing, I encourage you to get, I get it as a gift for a lot of my friends. It's called This Is Water, and again, it's written by David Foster Wallace. Um, the version I'm going to give is truncated, as I said, but I'd be very curious to know what impact, if any, it has on you. Um, so please, by once you're done listening, leave a comment or hit me up on social media at Bill Sweet Tech so we can converse. And lastly, before I get into it, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this series. That way you get all my latest lessons for free. Uh, whenever they come out, you'll get a notification. So uh, without further ado, here is this is, this is Water by David Foster Wallace, my truncated version. There are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? The immediate point of the fish story is that the most obvious, ubiquitous, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. Stated as an English sense, of course, that this is just a banal platitude. But the fact is that in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult existence, banal platitudes can have life or death importance. A huge percentage of the stuff that I tend to automatically be certain of it turns out totally wrong and deluded. Here's one example of the utter wrongness of something I tend to automatically be sure of. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realest, most vivid and important person in existence. Now think about it. There's no experience you've had that you were not at the absolute center of. The world as you experience it is right there in front of you or behind you. Other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but your own are so immediate, urgent, real. You get the idea. This is not a matter of virtue. It's a matter of my choosing to do the work of somehow altering or getting free of my natural hardwired default setting, 
which is to be deeply and literally self-centered. People who can adjust their natural default setting this way are often described as well-adjusted, which I says, which I suggest to you is not an accidental term. An obvious question is how much of this work of adjusting our default setting involves actual knowledge or intellect? This question gets tricky. Probably the most dangerous thing is to get lost in abstract arguments inside my head instead of simply paying attention to what's going on. I've come gradually to understand that the liberal arts cliche about teaching you how to think is actually shorthand for a much deeper, more serious idea. Learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. It means being conscious and aware enough to choose what you pay attention to and to choose how you construct meaning from experience. Because if you cannot exercise this kind of choice in adult life, you'll be totally hosed. And I submit to you that is what the real no bullshit value of your education is supposed to be about. How to keep you from going through life half dead, unconscious, a slave to your natural default setting of being uniquely day in and day out. Let's get concrete. There happen to be whole large parts of adult American life nobody talks about. One such part involves boredom, routine, and petty frustration. By way of example, let's say it's an average day, and you get up in the morning, go to your job, and work hard for 9 or 10 hours, and then at the end of the day, you're tired, and you're stressed out, and all you want to do is go home and have a good supper, and maybe unwind for a couple hours, and then hit the sack, so you can get up early the next day and do it all over again. But then you remember there's no food at home. You haven't had time to shop this week. And so now, after work, you have to get in your car and drive to the supermarket. It's the end of the day, and traffic's really bad, so getting to the store takes way longer than it should. And when you finally get there, the supermarket is very crowded, because, of course, it's the time of day when all other people with jobs also try to squeeze in some grocery shopping. It's pretty much the last place you want to be, but you can't just get in and out quickly. Eventually, you get all your supper supplies, except now it turns out there aren't enough checkout lanes, even though it's the end-of-the-day rush, which is stupid and infuriating. You finally get to the checkout line's front and pay for your food, and then you have to drive all the way home through slow, heavy SUV-intensive rush hour traffic, etc., etc. The point is that petty, frustrating crap like this is exactly where the work of choosing comes in, because the traffic jams and crowded aisles and long checkout lines Give me time to think. And if I don't make a conscious decision about how to think and what to pay attention to, I'm going to be pissed off and miserable every time I have to food shop. Because my natural default setting is that situations like this are really all about me. About my hungriness, my fatigue, and my desire to just get home. And it's going to seem for all the world like everyone else is just in my way. Or of course, if I'm in a more socially conscious form of my natural default setting, I can spend time in the end of the day traffic jam being angry and disgusted at all the huge stupid lane blocking SUVs and Hummers and B12 pickup trucks burning their wasteful selfish 40 gallon tanks of gas. Look, if you choose to think this way, fine, lots of us do, except that thinking this way tends to be so easy and automatic it doesn't have to be a choice. Thinking this way is my natural default setting. It's the automatic unconscious way that I experience the boring, frustrating, crowded parts of adult life when I'm operating on the automatic, unconscious belief that I am the center of the world and that my immediate needs and feelings are what should determine the world's priorities. The thing is that there are obviously different ways to think about these kinds of situations. It's not impossible that some of these people in SUVs have been in horrible auto accidents in the past 
now find driving so traumatic that their therapist has all but ordered them to get a huge SUV so they can feel safe enough to drive. Or that the Hummer that just cut me off is maybe being driven by a father whose little child is hurt or sick in the seat next to him. And he's trying to rush to the hospital and he's in a bigger, more legitimate hurry than I am. It is actually I who am in his way. Or I can choose to force myself to consider the likelihood that everyone else in the supermarket's checkout line is just as bored and frustrated as I am. And that some of these people probably have much harder, more tedious, or painful lives than I do overall. Please don't think that I'm giving you moral advice or that I'm saying you're supposed to think this way or that anyone expects you to just automatically do it. Because it's hard. It takes will and mental effort. And if you're like me, some days you won't be able to. You just flat out won't want to. But most days, if you're aware enough to give yourself a choice, you can choose to look at the world differently. It just depends on what you want to consider. If you're automatically sure that you know what reality is and who and what is really important, if you want to operate on your default setting, then you, like me, will not consider possibilities that are pointless and annoying. But if you've really learned how to think, how to pay attention, then you will know you have other options. It will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, loud, slow, consumer hell type situation is not only meaningful, but sacred. Not that that mystical stuff's necessarily true. The only thing that's capital T true is that you get to decide how you're going to try to see it. You get to consciously decide what has meaning and what doesn't. Because here's something else that's true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Worship your own body and you will always feel ugly. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, and cliches. The skeleton of every great story. The trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Worship your intellect and you will end up feeling stupid. Look, the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It is that they are unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're actually doing. And the world will not discourage you from operating on your default settings. Of course, there are all kinds of freedom. And the kind that is most precious you will not hear talked about much in the great outside world of winning and achieving and displaying. The really really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline and effort and being able to truly care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over in myriad petty, little unsexy ways every day. That is real freedom. The alternative is unconsciousness. The default setting, the rat race, the constant gnawing sense of having had and lost some infinite thing. Look, I know this stuff probably doesn't sound fun and breezy or grandly inspirational. What it is, as far as I can see, is the truth with a whole lot of rhetorical bullshit paired away. Obviously, you can think of it what you wish, but please do just dismiss it. The capital T truth is about life before death. It's about simple awareness. Awareness of what is so real and so essential, so hidden in plain sight all around us, that we have to keep reminding ourselves over and over, this is water, this is water. It is unimaginably hard to do this, to stay conscious and alive day in and day out. Therefore, I wish you more than luck. And it turns out another liberal arts cliche is true. And that is your education really is the culmination of a life. That's the end of the speech. I hope you took something away from it and I encourage you to listen to the full David Foster Wallace rendition, which I have included in the bottom. And by all means, please 
comment and let me know what you thought of the speech. Thank you for joining me.